This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 186, Thou Shall Prosper with Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome to you, happy warrior. Welcome to those going to work every morning, early, regardless of whether you feel like it, disciplining yourself, improving yourself, watching over your spouse and children if you have them, and taking care of business, generating cash flow, doing what your head tells you to do when your head tells you to do it must be done. You boldly heed the clarion call of responsibility to those who are not strong enough to support themselves and to whom you are brave enough to care for. You are the noble knights defending the fortress of civilization against those hungry hordes of scheming and swarming, surging savages trying to invade and conquer. What you and your fathers have built is what those barbarians out in the street, those mobs, those protesters, yes, even after they destroy the civilization you built as they rabidly crawl through its wrecked ruins, they know they will still live better in those wrecked ruins than in anything they could have ever built themselves. Because you are not a tennis ball floating down the gutter of life. You have your hand on the steering wheel of your life, as William Ernest Henley's great poem Invictus says, I am the master of my own fate. I am the captain of my soul. Because you, happy warrior, are not a tennis ball floating down the gutter of life. And it is my great honor to serve you this episode today. Thank you guys for allowing me to introduce the episode just like our guest would on his weekly podcast. The guest today is Rabbi Daniel Lappin. And with that kind of an introduction, you know his episodes are chock full of inspiring and engaging material. Yes, a rabbi for sure, and one that absolutely engages all of the five F's of our life as he describes them. Your faith, your family, your fitness, your friendships, and your finances. So who is Rabbi Daniel Lappin? Rabbi Lappin was born into a prestigious Torah family. He was a student of his father, Rabbi A.H. Lappin, who served the Jewish communities in Johannesburg and Cape Town, South Africa. Eventually, he immigrated to America with his wife, where they established Am Echad Synagogue in San Jose, California. In 2002, Rabbi Lappin, wrote his best-selling book, Thou Shall Prosper, The Ten Commandments for Making Money. This book continues to sell well, as does its sequel, Business Secrets from the Bible. And it has been translated into Chinese and Korean, among other languages. In 2007, Rabbi Lappin, along with his wife, Susan, founded Life Codex Publishing, where they began publishing and producing audio CDs and DVD materials, as well as books and other works from other authors that promote traditional values and learning. Rabbi Lappin is a frequent speaker for hundreds of groups, institutions, organizations, and companies, including the Family Research Council, Harvard Law School, the United States Army, the 1996 Republican National Convention, Voices United for Israel, and Young Presidents Organization. 
Rabbi Lapin was even the keynote speaker at the congressional bipartisan opening of the 106th Congress of Washington, D.C. Rabbi Lapin is a weekly audio podcast host and presents thousands of years of ancient Jewish wisdom emanating from the Bible in ways that impact and improve modern daily life. So guys, I won't make you wait any longer. What a great wide ranging and funny conversation with Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Rabbi Lappin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brock. This is uh, uh, an opportunity I've been looking forward to. Well, likewise, uh, I, I know a lot of our audience might already know who you are, but um, would you mind, first of all, take us to one of your most, well, maybe the most adventurous journey you've ever been on, and then I'd love to go through a bit about who you are. Well, I, I must say, uh, I'm, I'm tempted to interpret your question in philosophical terms. Oh, my most important journey was when I found my way to economic reality or my journey. Well, no, actually, um, my most exciting journey is a toss-up between two. Uh, one of them was um, when uh, I tried to threaten my parents. Um, I was in my early 20s. And, uh, and my parents taught me that uh, ultimatums must never be yielded to. And I gave my parents an ultimatum, the, um, down, the, or the other side of which was that if they failed to comply with my outrageous request, um, I would say goodbye and set off on a motorcycle trip across Africa. And I'll never forget the shock and the sheer terror that, traveled down my spine as I clearly heard my mother smile at me and say, well, I hope you do enjoy the trip. <laughs> and at that point, um, my own stubbornness and pride prevented a back down. And so uh, I successfully managed to get the Duckham's Oil Company to sponsor a trip. And the African Road Federation gave me credentials. And I actually did a motorcycle trip um, through about two thirds of Africa. So oh. that was certainly an adventurous trip. Absolutely. Well, that's not where I thought you'd go. I thought it would be one of the trips across to Hawaii on, on water, but I had well, no, no idea. That's you're right. That's, the yeah. other one, the other one was, uh, with three young kids, my wife and I decided to sail our sailboat to Hawaii from Los Angeles. And that was a, a very exciting 22 day journey. So uh, that would be another, another wow. th those two vie for top spot in, so, and I, I, I have many, many wonderful memories of both those two trips. I'm, I'm pleased I did them both, but my parents were not crazy about the first and my in-laws were not crazy about the second. <laughs> well, you're, you're a noted writer. You are a noted speaker and you're traveling all over the world now. Would you mind telling our listeners who is, Rabbi Lappin, who and, and what what is it that you stand for, and why are you uh, crossing the globe virtually and uh, via airways and other ways uh, to share your message? Yeah, um, yeah. I wish I could say that it was because of my genius or, or my accomplishments or, or my personality. I'd even settle for my looks, frankly. <laughs> but um, uh, but it's none of the above. Um, it's, it's very simply that I was privileged to have extraordinary teachers that managed to drum into me um, not only the fundamentals, but a great deal of the vast landscape of ancient Jewish wisdom. 
and um, essentially what that equipped me with was the results of perhaps the most successful and comprehensive longitudinal study of effective living um, that, that is available. In other words, the story of the people of Israel, um, who in good times and in horrible times and in hospitable and uh, moral regimes and in dreadful, under conditions of dreadful tyranny, in all these times and in all these many different places over hundreds and hundreds of years, Jews have been disproportionately good with money. And, uh, and I decided that um, this was something that a lot of people would like access to. And I needed to find out, you know, is there any reason this was unique to Jews? For instance, if it turned out that fundamental to financial success was circumcision, I dare say many men would prefer poverty. So, right. <laughs> um, you know, I had to decide, you know, what was this all about? And it, it was a lengthy um, period of investigation for which my many wonderful teachers had adequately equipped me. And so uh, to the extent that I am in demand as, as a speaker and as a broadcaster uh, and as a writer, and I, I'm, I'm grateful that I am, it's only due to one thing, and that is that I'm able to make accessible to anybody of every and any background the principles uh, and the timeless truths of um, Jewish wisdom that has produced fundamentally disproportionate economic success. Thank you for that. I'd, I'd like for you to tell me how we, how you define the happy warrior. Who is the happy warrior? Yes. Um, so the background to that is that I call um, my listeners uh, on my weekly podcast, I call, I refer to them as happy warriors, and I think of myself as a happy warrior. And the the reason is because um, let me let me tackle the warrior aspect first. Uh, I'll do the happy afterwards. The term, by the way, is not my own. It was coined by William Wordsworth, a, an English uh, poet, um, who who wrote a poem about the the happy warrior. And um, but I, I loved the term. I thought it it made a lot of sense. And warrior because um, well, let's let's conduct a thought experiment right now. Um, are, are most people going to be um, listening or watching this discussion, Mark? You know, it's a it's a split, but I'd say most are our listeners. Okay, well then I'm not going to go to the trouble of actually performing this experiment in, in real life in front of the camera, but I'll just describe it. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take one of these big glass jars, you know, about 18 inches high, and I'm going to put a layer of green marbles at the bottom, and above that I'll put a layer of red marbles, and above that again another layer of green, and I'm going to alternate green and red all the way up till I'm up about a little more than halfway in the jar. And now if you'll pardon the horrible noise it's going to make, I'm going to start shaking this jar. This is a thought experiment. And um, as I shake, you can all see that what's happening is the marbles are all beginning to migrate. And uh, after no more than about 30 seconds of shaking, all semblance of a pattern has entirely vanished. Mm -hmm. Now, my question is, for how long? more took 30 seconds to destroy the pattern how long will it take me of shaking 
for the pattern to return, even only briefly. I, I got to believe thousands of years. I, I can't imagine. Yes. Yeah, yes. forever. Yeah. <laughs> how, how about if I make it easier? I'll accept vertical patterns mm. and I'll even accept horizontal. You know what? I'll accept any recognizable pattern at all. And your answer stays the same right? mm -hmm. <laughs> forever. Mm -hmm. It's not going to do it. That's one of the most uh, potent um, and, and convincing demonstrations that we live in a bizarre world. We live in a world of not only physical gravity, uh, which is not fully understood. I mean, we all know what gravity does. We all know that it'll make an object accelerate towards the center of the earth at 10 meters per second squared or 9.8 to be exact. But um, none of us know exactly what makes gravity work. We also don't know what makes entropy work. Entropy means that there is a pull towards disorder in the world. We don't understand what or how, but we do know that, uh, you know, we can ha have a kid tidy up his room and then three days later, it's an absolute mess, you know, and the answer is chaos is the natural order of things. If I don't maintain my car, it's going to turn up to be a, a heap of rust. But again, you know, for how many hundreds of years will I have to watch a rusty wreck before it turns back into a shiny Toyota or Buick? And the answer is never. It's just not going to happen. This is a weird thing. Now, the only reason we're not pulling our hair out, those of us who have any left, the reason we're not pulling our hair out of this is because we're just used to it. It's taken as absolutely normal. And we don't give it a second thought. But it's really rather remarkable. Uh, if you're not building your business, it's shrinking and dying. It's That's just a reality. If you're not maintaining your car, it's dying. If you're not um, paying attention to nurturing your family spiritually as well as physically, uh, it's dying. It's not going to endure as a strong, unified family. All of this takes work. And uh, it's literally from, you know, I myself uh, take, I mean, my information, as I told you, is not from my own original brilliance, uh, but it's entirely from ancient Jewish wisdom. And so the, the verse early in Genesis that says, and God put Adam in the Garden of Eden to work it. Now, that's, that's really important. And uh, what's equally important is that um, there are other verses where um, the translation says, to worship. For, for instance, God said to Moses, tell Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may worship me in the desert. Or uh, uh, at the end of the book of Joshua, the very last chapter, uh, chapter 24, Joshua gets mad with the people and he says, you know what, you all can do what you like, but for me and my family, we will worship the Lord. Um, but on the work side, God put Adam in the garden of Eden to work it, or in Exodus chapter 20, 10 commandments, six days you shall do all your work. And that's what every English translation that I've ever looked at does with those four verses I've just described. But only when you have access to the Hebrew, uh, this is the part where I say everyone needs a rabbi, Mark. It's a bit of a self-promotional thing because I like staying employed. And, um, and so... Uh, what what I'm able to share with, with your audience is that if you look in the Hebrew, every one of those instances uses the same Hebrew word, Oved. God put Adam in the garden of Eden to Oved. Six days you must do your Oved. 
Uh, as for me and my family, we'll obey the Lord. Uh, let my people go so that they obey me in the desert. And this is really rather remarkable because what it really means is that taking care of business is just as it's the same thing as worshiping God. Mm-hmm. You know, why same should that word. be? Yeah, I'm, I, why should my pursuit of money in any way please the Lord? And, and the answer is very simple because that's not what I'm doing. I'm obsessively preoccupied with supplying the needs and, and desires of his other children. And in exactly the same way that as a father myself, I get a genuine thrill of delight when I see my kids helping each other. That's what our father in heaven feels towards us as well. And so no Jew says, oh, please, God, you know, let me find $300 lying on the street. I've got to pay my car payment this month. We never say that. We always say, please open my eyes so that I can see more people in need of my services. That's all I want to do. I want to serve people. And, uh, and so that's why customer service and worship service are all the same concept. And uh, from the, the point of view, our father in heaven, uh, I am serving him by serving his children, regardless of the fact that in my mind, I'm looking for my paycheck or I'm looking for my profit. That's neither here nor there. The motivation isn't as nearly as important as the action itself. And the action of business is taking care of God's other children. So, um, and so that is why it is that uh, um, uh, taking care of business, looking after your customers or your clients is in every way, every bit as important as worshiping God directly. The minute I get up out of bed and I, I'm, I'm ready for the day, I am tackling the challenges of an entropic world where yes. if I don't keep at it, basically I'm running up the down escalator and that's what a warrior is. You've got to recognize the world, things are against you. Uh, you know, it's going, it's like going hiking in Australia. I mean, the only things you're going to see are things that are going to try and kill you and eat you. Uh, you know, if it's not the crocodiles, it's something else. So, it's uh, we we're looking at essentially not a dream world uh but a uh, in many ways god put us in a hostile world where only through enormous cooperation and through enormous effort in other words being a warrior and the happy part of it i also learned from my mother um one day uh, i was whining and grumbling and complaining and she she said uh I've had enough of this. From now onwards, you are going to be happy. My mother was a British woman, no nonsense, stiff upper lip. And she said, your happiness is not my job, it's yours. Mm. And, um, and that really stuck with me. I realized, you know, we're all talking about pollution and we're talking about contamination and we're talking about all these problems. But really, the worst thing you can do for somebody you live with whether it's your spouse or your children, or for that matter, your, the people, your work associates whom you spend 10 hours a day with, the very worst thing you can do for them is not smoke a cigar. Um, it's exude misery, hmm. which just suffuses the entire house or the entire workplace like a dark cloud of unpleasantness. It's incredibly destructive. Being around miserable people just isn't worth it. Life's not long enough. And so... Happy Warrior serves as a reminder to me and to everyone else that uh, our job is to be happy 
and to be fighting all the time. It's a constant battle. You're, you're working to keep your family, you're working to keep your finances, you're working to keep your physical fitness, you're working, you have to maintain friendships. If you don't put energy in friendships, you don't retain friendships. And, uh, and my fifth F is connection with God, faith. It's not easy to have faith, but the, it's like having a fit body. The more you work at it, the easier it gets. So um, that's the, the, the long but accurate answers to why I am a big devotee of the credo of the happy warrior. That's great. Thank you for that very much. And I'm very inspired by the picture of work and worship and how business, you, you have a tremendous sense and way of going from the top of the ladder down to the bottom of the ladder in terms of helping us take esoteric concepts like work and uh, and worship and bring it all the way down to the customer service that we did last Tuesday afternoon. So is that where you see the relationship of the Jewish people mm -hmm. and the, the heritage that you've been given and that you're now sharing with many of us, books like Thou Shalt Prosper? How does it, how is it possible uh, to your point, you have a theory, and, and you went to, to some links to explore this theory yeah. of how um, the Jewish people have been successful in good times and bad. Resilient might be another word. How has that been possible through thousands of years? Well, uh, in my book, Thou Shall Prosper, to which you just alluded, uh, I share my journey of exploration, where... Um, I decided to be scrupulously and um, academically honest and intellectually honest. And um, I said that I would go wherever this um, discovery took me. And, um, and I said, now, you know, why are Jews successful? What are these policies? And sure enough, I, I did explore the possibility that uh, Jews rip people off routinely, and, and that's how they succeed. And obviously, um, I was not shocked to discover that there was a easily rebuttable presumption, and uh, it was not hard to debunk that completely. I actually interviewed over 100 um, not-Jewish people who had had a lifetime of experience doing business with Jews. And, uh, and again, uh, if indeed uh, ripping people off was the Jewish strategy, then some of those people would have told me that. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, it wasn't that. And, and I debunk similarly three other, um, the only three other possible explanations. And when all four alternatives had been effectively um, uh, scrapped, the only alternative that was left was the true one, which is that embedded within the Hebrew structure of scripture, uh, I'm going to say almost encrypted um, are hundreds and hundreds of um, very powerful strategies and uh, very powerful permanent principles um, that have to do with money. Everything from understanding the nature of money, uh, everything to understanding human desire, both sexual and financial, uh, everything, uh, not to mention food, all of these things are part of understanding what I call how the world really works. And that is essential for business. Uh, IQ is absolutely not essential for business. 
typically the people with the highest IQ in the United States serve on the faculties of major universities. And anybody with any experience in the financial services sector knows that almost nobody in America is worse than with money than university professors and other intellectuals. Uh, they look down on it, and not surprisingly, they're terrible at it. Uh, so IQ has nothing to do with it. But understanding how the world really works has everything to do with it. When did you realize that you had a capacity to communicate these eternal truths uh, to the rest of the world? And maybe what's the biggest missing piece for those just getting started in life that you feel like if you could just give them this principle or that principle, you'd get them along on the way? Mark, you're, you're asking incredibly original questions, you know. Uh, I, I know you've probably done many, many, many interviews as I have. And uh, after a little while, you can actually draw up a list of the questions you just know you're going to be asked. Well, had I tried that with you, I'd have failed totally <laughs> so far. I'll, t I'll tell you why. I'll tell you. Why. Look, I knew from the youngest age, uh, I should tell you, I grew up in the home of a famous rabbi, and I come from a long line of distinguished rabbis, um, of whom I am the least. And um, the... Uh, uh, the the what I mean I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt from from my childhood that when I grew up what I was going to be was almost anything but a rabbi and um, I I think that uh, that one of the things I discovered is that if you are somebody for whom the good Lord has a destiny and you decide like Jonah did in the book of Jonah to try and escape your destiny and do something different. Um, the good Lord whacks you. <laughs> and the longer you resist, the worse the wax get. Well, suffice it to say that I got whacked pretty good. And uh, you see, I was absolutely not interested in this, in this line of work. Um, I, honestly, I, I, I was more drawn to the life of a pirate than a rabbi. And... Um, <laughs> I became an electrical engineer, and I got a job at uh, Philips. It's a large Dutch uh, electronics conglomerate, and um, I was designing communication equipment, military communication equipment. And I'd walk in in the morning, and uh, I'd sit down in my little uh, cubicle with my slide rule and my calculator and my uh, drawings, and I would then uh, work on what I'd been given, which was a tiny little corner of a vastly complex piece of equipment. And then once a week on, on Friday mornings, there was a group meeting where um, I would meet with all the other people who are also doing small uh, sections. And we would meet with somebody above us who'd sort of make sure we were all integrating properly with one another, and then back to your cubicle. And um, I was finding myself suffering from deep existential loneliness. I was literally occupied with things, not people. And um, one day at lunchtime, I'm in the canteen, and um, 
uh, I'm again by myself. I can't stand the loneliness. And I see two nice looking guys sitting at a table. There's another chair at the table. I walk over. I said, you guys mind if I join you? Now, perfectly cordial. Take a sit down. We start chatting. And what do you do? I say, I'm working on uh, a small corner of the transmitter design of a uh, of uh, of the uh, communication project. I gave the co everybody around the company knew what the project was. And they said, Oh, that's fascinating. I said, what do you guys do? And they used a word I'd never heard before. They said, we're tech reps. And it, what that meant was company representative, basically it meant sales professionals who had a bit of a technical background and were able to talk to customers in the language customers understood. They were tech reps. Well, at that moment, a, a bright light went off. And I said, guys, just tell me typically, what's your day like? I said, well, you know, we have a sales meeting in the morning, all of us together, we kid around. And then we all go and do our routes and we, we stop off at our customers and we talk to them. We find out what they need and we make sure our uh, department sends or anything they need. We try to solve problems for them. This sounded like paradise to me. And so I immediately went to my supervisor and I said, uh, I'm begging for a transfer. I want to become a tech rep. And uh, they looked at me and they said, you're crazy. You know, you're, you're a qualified engineer. You have credentials. You're a much higher status. And I said, move me. And they said, why would you want to? And I said, I have one question. Who makes more money, me or a successful tech rep? And they laughed and they said, uh, uh, actually, a tech rep makes more than we make, your supervisor. Uh, I said, move me. I'm out of here. Mm. And I, I thrived. I loved selling. I loved working with people. Uh, I loved solving customers' problems. And uh, that was when I realized that I'm not able to interact with things. I need people. And uh, that was actually when, when I discovered that I, I enjoyed explaining things to people and uh, I learned to become better at it. That's wonderful. Uh, I have a short follow-up question, and that is simply this. Um, what, in your mind, what is money and why does it matter? The important thing I would say, you know, in, in, in explaining what is money, uh, I will shock you and tell you, well, I probably won't shock you, but I'll shock some of our listeners when I say that money is not physical or material. Money is entirely spiritual. And that's why it is that it's so very difficult to define. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know econo economics 101, money is a medium of exchange, blah, blah, blah. It all means absolutely nothing at all. Uh, the fact is, is money strips of colored paper or metallic discs that clink in your pocket? Or how about if you write a check and give somebody a check for $10? Have you just created money? Or how about if you don't write anything, you just shake hands with a person and say, I'll give you $10 on Friday. Have you just created money? Or is money the orientation of iron oxide molecules on the back of your credit card or ones and zeros on your bank's hard drive? Yeah, it's all of the above and none of the above. Money is nothing other than a certificate of performance. Money proves that you served another human being. That's all that money is. Mm. And, so it could um, be a it could be a paycheck you receive from your boss, or it could be the thirty clients you have. But it's a certificate. Say again, a certificate. A of certificate of good performance. It mm. proves mm. that you served another one of God's children in some way that He valued. 
obviously, whether it was a customer or a client or a relative, but provided you didn't um, hold up a little old lady and steal her pocketbook or, or point a gun at a clerk behind the counter in a convenience store, if you didn't do any of those things and, uh, and you're not the government confiscating money uh, through ridiculous tax rates and you didn't defraud anybody, if you didn't do any of those horrible things, then the only way you got hold of that dollar is by pleasing another human being. There is no other way. Well, thank you. Well, and it it reminds me that while there might be a rushing river trying to take our tennis ball down the gutter of life, so to speak, uh, part of your hope and message is that through the five Fs, faith, uh, friendships, I'm going to yes, try to Mark. do this here, faith, friendships, family, finance, uh, finance and fitness. And fitness. Yep. No, you're uh, exactly right. Uh, it's easy to be made miserable by the big picture, you know, what's going on here and what's going on there. But um, if you don't have a family yet, for God's sake, make one. And uh, if your finances aren't in shape, and even if uh, just build your finances, take care of the things in your life, and you're going to be fine. You really will. Um, mm -hmm. Even if the storm continues to swirl turbulently around the foundations of everything you've regarded as normative, it doesn't matter. Uh, that will pass. And as long as you don't get carried off in it, but you remain focused on your five Fs, um, you're going to be just fine. You really will. Well, it's the, it's the message we really share, which is bank on yourself. Find the That's micro right. solution. Find which the, I, the I love, by the way. Uh, it's, it's called infinite banking sometimes, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. right, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's based on insurance. And, and by the way, there's some financial advisors, some big names, people I'm very, very friendly and close with, who don't like it. And, and I think that's because of their specific clientele. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, um, but in, in my mind, uh, it makes a lot of sense. And I've actually steered uh, some of my own children successfully into, into starting it early in their careers. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm pleased about that. Very good to hear that. Thank you. And uh, you're right. It's the philosophy of taking in yourself. And, and it's more than just a mm. dollar sign. It's more than a financial product. It's a mindset that gives you the chance to take back control of where you're headed. Uh, as a family, as an individual, and the five Fs fall right in line with that. So Rabbi Lappin, first of all, thank you again. Uh, Holistic You is the ebook, and folks can find you at rabbidaniellappin.com. Is there, is there any final message or uh, principle you'd like to leave our listeners with as we wrap up today? Um, following my earlier um, comment, I, I'd say um, you, they, they should listen to you, Mark. Um, they, I, I know you're, you're on the right track. Uh, I would encourage people to read my book, Thou Shall Prosper. Um, it's, it's changed the lives of a huge number of people. And in so doing, it's also put a lot of sugar in my cornflakes. So um, it's, it's a great book and, uh, and it, it delivers on what it promises to do. So Go to the website, and as Mark has told you, and uh, and be in touch. Love love to hear from you, and uh, and hear some testimonies of the progress that you all make. That's RabbiDanielLappin.com. From one happy warrior to another, Rabbi yes. Lappin. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Mark. And and I, I must tell you, you you do an original and uh, interesting interview. I I've not noticed the passage of time at all. 
and um and i and i appreciate that i find the other kind of interview to be absolutely grueling i come out of it exhausted <laughs> i come away from talking with you uplifted and uh and exuberant so thank you thank you well, thank you again, Rabbi Lappin, for coming on our show. As you guys can tell, he's an incredibly intelligent, remarkably wise and insightful rabbi. He's absolutely given a lot of thought to his words and his principles for life and living, his faith, family, fitness, friendships, and finances. The five Fs are something that I think was a major takeaway for me as I listened to him speak. Uh, what areas of those five Fs are at my peak? What needs some improvement? What could I spend some more time working on? Uh, what could I improve today, this week, this next 10 minutes? What could I do to improve one of my five Fs? So don't be a tennis ball floating down the gutter of life. You have agency. You have capacity to control your outcomes. To the degree we can, let's make the best of it. Let's make this week better than last. It's one tweak a week, as I like to say. So thank you, Rabbi Lappin, one more time for coming on our show. And thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join the financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.